The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Thank you for just allowing the Spirit to move and for joining me in prayer for those needs. And uh, Isn't it great that we can go to God in prayer? That He hears our prayer, that He hears our cries. Jan McMahon writes about a time that she attended church in Kentucky, of all places, right? And she says that she watched an especially verbal and boisterous child being hurried out and slung under his irate father's arm. No one in the congregation so much as raised an eyebrow until the child captures everyone's attention by crying out in a charming southern accent, you all pray for me now. <laughs> Let me ask you this. When is the last time that you have really cried out to God? In former days, we used to call this having a burden and praying until you see the hand of God move on your behalf. In light of Mother's Day, I want to mention that one of the traits that I so appreciate about my mother is that she has always been a woman of prayer. How many of y'all had praying mamas? Aren't you thankful for that? My life, I know, has been greatly impacted by the prayers of my mother. Even in my most rebellious and stressful seasons of life, and, and as a child, as a teenager especially, I put her through some stuff. I'll just leave it there. My mother never stopped praying. And so mothers that are here, I want to say thank you for not giving up on your kids, for continuing to pray. And if you have a child, I don't care if they're 40 years old right now, that's wayward, that's drifted, I want to ask you, do not give up on them. Keep praying, keep believing, keep seeking God. Don't stop praying. But friends, it is not just the job of a mother to pray every single believer did you hear me every single believer has this obligation this duty to pray and so I, I hope that this message sparks something in you sparks something in me that will deepen our prayer life how many could use that just the deepening of prayer amen so this is a trait that every, believer's, every believer needs. Now, we're going to go, you can turn here in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And here we find a great example of a woman by the name of Hannah, awesome woman of God who exemplifies a really relentless pursuit of prayer. She, she is a relentless prayer warrior. And I, I, we see an incredible outcome in her life. And so I hope this encourages us together to pray in this way. So if you would, in honor of the reading of God, go ahead and stand with me. 1 Samuel and chapter 1 and verse 1. The Word of God says this. There was a certain man of Ramathiam Zotham of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Alcana, the son of Jerohom, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. Somebody say, uh-oh. 
The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where there were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. You didn't know Phinehas was in the Bible, did you? Some of you get that. Verse 4, on the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. Is there anybody in your life that's just kind of year by year this kind of contention? Somebody tries to provoke you year by year, day by day, minute by minute. This is what Hannah's going through. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten stones? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose, and now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. And she continued praying before the Lord. Eli observed her mouth, and Hannah was speaking in her heart only. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. And therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. Think of this. This is her desperate hour, and even the priest is questioning her. And understand her. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. And Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant in favor, let your servant find favor in your eyes. And the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. That's what prayer does right there. Verse 19, we're almost finished here. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. They went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew his Hannah his wife. And the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I've asked for him from the Lord. Amen? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, Hannah, like many of us, was someone who experienced much grief in life, and we all go through certain circumstances that are very trying at times. But I love this about Hannah. Even through her pain, 
She was faithful, and she continued to trust the Lord. Out of her struggle came a great desperation. And she knew that God was the only one who could offer this type of touch that she needed. And I want you to understand something. It wasn't just Hannah that was going through a dark season. Israel, the the chosen people of God, this chosen nation, was in the midst of a very, very dark season, a desperate period as well. They lacked godly leadership. And not only does Hannah's prayer bring about change in her own life, but here's what I want you to see. It brings about the beginning of a turnaround in Israel's situation as well. So when you cry out to God in desperation, when I cry out to God in desperation, it doesn't just affect us. It brings change also many times to the people around us. Family members, co-workers, friends, church folk. When God touches one person, usually that blessing simply overflows to so many other people without them even even asking for it amen Amen. so i see in this text and don't freak out when i say six points they're quick all right but i see six different parts of hannah's story that i believe will encourage us as we pursue the lord and what he has for us today number one i want to just again point out hannah's if you're taking notes write this down discouraging circumstances discouraging circumstances anybody come up against discouraging circumstances even this week the second part of verse 2 says Hannah had no children now it is assumed that Hannah is Alcana's first wife because she's mentioned first in scripture and though he loved Hannah She could not give him everything that he wanted. And it is most probable that Alcana married his second wife because Hannah was barren. And though this was not God's original plan for marriage, it was not at this time prohibited by Jewish law because having children was of the utmost importance. So I want you to just consider Hannah's burden for a moment. She has to share her husband. She's got this whole sister-wives things going on. Not only that, she felt inferior to this other wife. Not having children and especially not having an heir in this day in the ancient world, it was horrible. It, it it, It was not a good thing and it was stressful for Hannah. She wanted to provide this heir to her husband but it's frustrating isn't it when you want to do something for somebody but you feel helpless have you ever been there I know that many of us in this church we have a a heart to help so many people and sometimes there's just nothing we can do in our own power but aren't you thankful for the Lord we're not called to be the savior of people we're called to point people to the one who can save and rescue them As we consider on Mother's Day, Hannah's burden here and her barrenness, I want to just make mention of this. There may be some in this church, actually I know there are some in this church, who are a bit discouraged because they're going through this same type of struggle. 
they're unable to have children. And I just want to say to you on Mother's Day this, that motherhood is not the apex. It is not the apex of womanhood. Motherhood does not make a godly woman. Just watch the news and you'll see that there are many mothers who are not godly mothers. Amen? Turn, turn the news on any day or scroll through Facebook. You'll see a post of some crazy thing a mom's done. Godliness is the apex of womanhood. Okay? So mother or not, you can still be a virtuous woman. And I also want you to know this. Some of you who don't have children in our church, I want you to know how much of an impact you make on our kids here. It's awesome. So don't think, just you may not have biological children, but you are helping shape and form the next generation of young men and women of God. And I say thank you for that. But that may not be your particular problem this morning, barrenness. But we all go through these circumstances that we know without divine intervention, we're helpless. Maybe you're facing painful circumstances today. There's a blessing in that sometimes, in that it's often in those seasons of life, those toughest of situations, that we are moved to run to the arms of God. Are you with me? We're often moved to run to God. Sometimes when everything is going well, it shouldn't be like this, but we tend to get really comfortable and we feel like we don't need him. And we slack off in our relationship with God. But when the rains come and the winds blow, what happens? Often we're almost nudged into the arms of God. And I love that. But here's what I love about Hannah. She faced her circumstances head on. The pressure did not send Hannah running from God. The pressure sent Hannah running to God. And you know, when we go through circumstances, our faith is put to the test. The genuineness of our faith is put to the test. Many people come and say, oh, I want Jesus. Give me Jesus. And they'll pray a prayer. They'll even cry and shed a tear at the altar. But let a storm come in their life when faith is really put to the test. And watch who stays and watch who runs the other way. Hannah stayed firm in the Lord. And I encourage you today, when, when the storms come, stay firm in the Lord. So we've looked at discouraging circumstances. The second part I want to look at is this. Hannah's disheartening critics. I'm going to preach right here. I, I think somebody's going to be able to relate to this, all right? Anybody have any critics? Come on, somebody, haters going to hate, right? I wish I had a little Taylor Swift behind me this morning, right? Because I, I would sing it right now. As if barrenness wasn't bad enough, Hannah has to deal with critics in the worst of her circumstances. Anybody ever just have somebody kick you while you're down? This type of hate behavior can compound our frustrations and our woes, Amen. I mean, look at Hannah's life. Her rival provoked her. Look at verse 6. This is this other wife, and her, her, her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her, just to irritate. Do you have somebody like that in your life? They just want to irritate you. 
She provoked her because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Here's what I love about Hannah, though. Hannah did not allow this woman to pull her down to her level. Are you with me? She kept a good attitude, and she took her burden to the Lord. Friends, let me tell you this. Do not allow haters to pull you down to their level. Do not let your critics bring you down. I did that for so long in ministry. I mean, I'd be up ready to, ready to do something for the Lord. And all of a sudden, I mean, time after time after time, and it's rarely somebody from the world. It's usually somebody from the church. Just criticize, just, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying, listen, sometimes we need criticism. I'm not saying that we can't speak truthfully into each other's life, but I'm saying for no other reason, just to be demeaning, just to be a critic, just to provoke. And I have often allowed, I still struggle this from, with this from time to time, I've allowed people to pull me down to their level and get bitter and get hateful and spew off. Words that are not God-glorifying, don't let people do that. Don't let them pull you down. Go to the Lord with your burden. Amen? So, but it wasn't just her rival. Her family didn't understand her. Look at this, verse 8. This is humorous to me. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, now, some of you... Ladies, you just think, put yourself, you're crying right now. Your husband comes up to you. Here, I'm going to read this, how I think Elkanah said it. Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart so sad? Am I not more than you than 10 sons? I mean, have you ever received like the 100 questions? Sometimes you just need folk to leave you alone. Can I get a witness? Just leave me to myself. Let me just cry for a minute. I'm going to be all right. Her family doesn't understand Barrenness was a big deal in this day, and it's still a big deal to many today. And people, when you're going through a struggle, they mean well, but they don't understand you, and they say some ignorant things. Are you with me? And so this is what's happening in Hannah's life. Her husband trying to be helpful. I don't understand why you're so sad. Well, maybe because you married another woman. I don't know. I mean, I think Nikki, I was thinking that like, Nikki probably would be crying are beating me, probably the latter. <laughs> and why would you not eat? Are you kidding? You've got this other lady provoking me. What, why would I not eat? What, you're crazy. Why is your heart sad? And then, am I not more to you than ten sons? You know, I've heard people mean very well in tragic circumstances say some really crazy things to people trying to comfort it's best when people are going through really tragic situations, just put your hand on the shoulder and love them. Just love them, okay? Bring them food, pray for them, serve them, clean their house, do whatever you can to minister to them. But be careful what you say because we often mean very well, but our hearts when we're going through those things are very sensitive. And, and we can send somebody in the wrong direction. 
And so her family didn't understand her. And as I mentioned when I was reading the scripture, even the priest, sometimes even the preacher, how many know, doesn't understand. And he, here she is weeping bitterly, and she's praying in her heart, and she's, you know, she's kind of moving her mouth. How many of y'all just kind of talk to yourself but not out loud sometimes, and your lips are moving? And the priest, I love it, immediately he just says, you're drunk, lady. I mean, that's where his mind goes. Put yourself in Hannah's situation, even the priest doesn't understand but i love first peter 5 7 and peter reminds us that we can all cast our cares our our anxieties upon the lord because he cares for us when you feel that there is nobody who understands i want you to know that god understands god will listen i hope uh, you have a preacher right here who will try his hardest to listen and to bless you but i want you to know even beyond me the lord is our greatest comfort now he uses it don't miss this he uses one of the ways god's com- god comforts us he uses the flock he uses the other members of the church to comfort so i want you to share your burdens with us But I want you to know that even when nobody else is saying the right thing, God understands. He understands things you don't even understand about yourself. Have you ever been so sad or so despondent or so desperate you don't even understand your own heart? You know, I I remember asking my wife one time why she was crying. I've learned not to ask that. But um, she said, I don't know. I don't know. Have, Have you ever been there? Have you ever just cried and you're like, I have no idea why I'm even crying right now. God knows more about your heart than you do, and he understands. Number three, I want to look at Hannah's desperate cries. Verse 10, she was deeply distressed. Now, if we stopped right there, I would ask you, what do you do when you're deeply distressed? I hope you have the same testimony as Hannah. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Let me ask you this. When is the last time that you have been moved in this way to this type of prayer? We need this type of praying in our churches, don't we? Jim Cimbala of Brooklyn Tab in his book, Storm, poses the question, he says, why are we so slow to cry out to God when we're as barren as Hannah was? Are we too proud and sophisticated to beg him for fruit? He's talking about a a spiritual barrenness that's in our land, and, and we have this in our church. We have this in our nation. There's a complacency, and we need a get desperate for God and and hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we need to pray like Hannah prayed for our city, for our church, for our nation, and for our world. God, send revival. Send the move of your spirit. Is there anyone here has ever been so desperate for, for God that you didn't care who was watching, who was listening, but you just came to an altar something like this and, you know, Nose running, highs running, you know, just tears flowing from your face. You don't care who knows you. You just need a touch from the Lord. God, help us not become so sophisticated, 
so dignified that we lose this willingness to cry out to God in desperation. And I'm not trying to, I'm not saying we work something up this. I'm talking about when we really have a desperate need in our hearts. Sometimes we just need to get serious in prayer and not worry about who's watching us. Amen. So Hannah offers this desperate cry to the Lord. Number four, we'll look at Hannah's decisive commitment. Verse 11, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant. And I love how she keeps calling herself a servant, a servant, a servant. Sometimes in this day and age, we tend to put ourselves on the throne and act like God is our bellhop. No, he's on the throne. We're the servant, and we should approach him as such. He, she says, then I'll give him to the Lord. If you give me a son, I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall touch his head. I want you to see that her having a son wasn't entirely selfish. She wanted to offer back to the Lord what he would give her. Many of you have heard my testimony. Here's the very short side of it. And when I was born, I was very, very, very sick in the hospital. I was born six weeks early, very, very sick, um, to the point they didn't know if I was going to make it or not. But I love, this has always stuck with me, that the prayer that my family prayed, they didn't just pray, God, we want a son, so save him, heal him. They said, no, God, we give him to you. And, and here's what they prayed. Use him in full-time vocational ministry. And it's a call I've not been able to shake my entire life. I don't want to shake it, but you know what I mean? God is faithful. And I, I love that my parents, yes, they wanted a son. But they were, their motives, like Hannah's, were not entirely selfish. They said, God, whatever you give us, if, if you will spare Chris's life, he is yours. And I love this about Hannah. I want to point out something here. Who was it that caused Hannah to be barren. Anybody catch that? The devil? Nope. The Bible says that the Lord closed her womb. How does that fit in the picture of your picture of God? The Lord closed her womb. To us, that might sound harsh. I mean, you think about this, you go, well, this could have saved her so much pain if, if you wouldn't. Lord, why would you do this? But how many know his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts? Church, sometimes we give the devil way too much credit. Because if this was in our church, somebody would say, oh, it's the devil, it's the devil, it's the devil. And the devil does bring things against us. I'm not saying that. But here we have an example of God moving in something that we probably, in a way that we wouldn't want, that we wouldn't probably agree with or understand now, we don't know exactly why he did this, but let me just speculate. This is speculation just for a moment. Why would the Lord close her womb? I know this much for sure. It wasn't a bad or evil thing because God is not capable of being evil or doing evil. Could it be that if Hannah had always been able to bear children, that maybe she would not have offered Samuel to the Lord? She just would have taken her children for granted. And just gone about life the same way as everybody else. But see, the Lord had a special plan. Get this, not just for Hannah and her family, 
but a bigger plan for all of Israel is God raises up this son in Israel. See, what we see is a bad thing may not be as bad as we think. Many times, big burdens move us to big blessings in God. Big burdens move us to big blessings in God. I look back to some of the darkest seasons of my life, and I promise you this. In those seasons, I cried out, God, why me? Why now? Why here? But I know standing here today, I would not be standing as the pastor of Real Life Community Church if God would not allow me to go through those dark and desperate seasons. Those are the things that drove me to God. Those are the seasons that, I, that my faith was put to the test. And I, the Lord grew me spiritually in every way, emotionally. God moved in my life. And so you may be going through something today. And I want you to know if you're in Christ, don't be discouraged. God has not forgotten you. And I really believe the verse in Romans that we quote so often. That he works all things together. For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Do you believe that? God has a plan. Do not be discouraged. God was setting, I believe this, God's setting up here, Hannah, for a great blessing. And that overflow of that blessing moves on to all of Israel. So Hannah committed her blessing to the Lord. Number five, let's look at this definitive contentment. Definitive contentment. I have a sickness where my points all have to start with, two le- with the same letter. So when I have two words, they both have to match up. So, or I'll start twitching up here. Verse 12. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart only. Only her lips moved and the voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. Eli said to her, how Long will you go on being drunk, put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Oh, that we would pour out our soul before the Lord. Do not regard, verse 16, your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. And Eli answered, Go in, the pe- go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. Look at verse 18. She said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. You know what happened right here? Hannah prayed through. She left. She came to to, to that place of prayer with great anxiety, but she she left with great contentment. She was content before she was ever pregnant. Before the baby ever came, she just reached a place in her prayer that she knew that the Lord had heard her prayer, that it was taken care of. Have you ever been there? Friends, that is faith, that before the answer even comes, before it's even visible, you just have this trust that God has heard you and moved on your behalf. Hannah prayed through. You know, often, we offer what I call these little popcorn prayers to God. There's nothing wrong with that. We're to pray without ceasing. We're to pray all day long. But there are times when we need to learn, church, to pray through. When's the last time you've been up in the middle of the night weeping, your couch drenched with tears for your son or daughter that's not living for the Lord right now? 
When's the last time that you've been up in the middle of the night or any time crying out for a move of God in Richmond? When's the last time that you've cried out for the drug ep epidemic in our city? We all say we want to help, and we all try to be the Savior, right? We all try to fix everybody. We can't, we've learned we cannot do it. But when's the last time, even as a church, that we've, we, we've cried out to the Lord on our faces before God? Here, let me just be very transparent today. If I have a potluck, we'll have to pull out more seats. When we, uh, when we do an outreach or something like that and we're hands-on, I'm thankful for all the wonderful volunteers that we have. But those things mean nothing without prayer. They mean nothing without prayer. We need to be prayer warriors and we need to learn to pray through. And number six, I love this, declared celebration. Dina, you can come. Declared celebration. Look at verse 19. They rose early in the morning and they worshiped before the Lord and they went back to their house at Ramah. And Alcanah knew his wife and the Lord remembered her. <laughs> when you pray through like this, the Lord will remember your prayer. I love it. And watch verse 20. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son and she called his name Samuel, Samuel for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Now, I love this line, and in due time. And in due time, Hannah bore a son. And in due time, Hannah bore a son. We want everything right now, don't we? But sometimes, for whatever reason, God will allow us to go through a dry and desperate season where we're just crying out and crying out and crying out. But God is never late. He may not come, what's the old song say, when you want him to, but he'll be there right on time. You know that one? He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Y'all are quiet this morning. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. In due time, Hannah bore a son. How am I just saying in their heart right now, come on, Jesus, it's due time. It's due time. Listen, be patient. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Wait on the Lord. I want to encourage you today. Take your burden to the Lord. Pray until that burden has been lifted. Don't worry about dignity. Just pray through. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to stand with me. I know what you're going through today, but I'm going to invite you to this altar to pray today if you have a need. Invite you to this altar to pray. It may be spiritual. It may be financial. It may be a, a marriage problem. It may be uh, some sin that you're trying to just get out of your life. Battle, struggle. It might be depression. Some other mental health issue. It might be physical sickness. I'd love to just pray for you today. And I'm going to do what Pastor Ben did last week. If you don't want me to bother you, you want to pray all by yourself, you come to this side and pray. If you want somebody to pray for you, you come to this side, all right? And uh, one of us will pray for you. But as we sing this again, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. I want us to do this. I want us to realize who Christ is. Listen, let us not take for granted today 
the fact that we can reach God's throne. The only way that you and I can go to, to God. We don't need a mediator. I don't need to pray on your behalf today. I will, and, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says we have one mediator. Who is that? Come on, who is it? Who's our mediator? Jesus Christ. He is our faithful high priest. Hallelujah. And now because of him, because of his righteousness, because of his sacrifice, we can run boldly to God's throne. Hallelujah. Boldly to the throne of grace. And I know some of you feel like, you know what, God's got too much going on. He doesn't have time to hear about my little marriage problem or my little financial problem, my little ailment, whatever it is. Friends, our God is omniscient. He's omnipotent. I mean, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And he's not bound by time and space like you and like me. That means he can, he can take care of your situation. He can hear your prayer while he's listening to mine. And somebody in China right now, it doesn't matter. God's not bound by the things that bind us. So I want you to cry to the Lord today. And let's not make this all about us. Listen, one of the greatest prayers we can pray is, God, help us to live for your glory. And when Jesus taught us to pray, the very first thing we pray is, hallowed be thy name. God, we want to live for your name. We want to honor your name. We want to reverence your name. That's the cry of this church every day. So as we sing, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. I want to to invite you to just come. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd love to have a conversation with you tell you how you can know the Lord today. I'd invite, if many people come down, I'd invite uh, Donna Lynn, you to come down. Some of you other prayer partners t- today are, are pastors and, and deacons and their spouses. Um, please feel free to come down. Um, any of our members, really, we ask that women pray for women and men pray for men. Father, thank you that we can go to you in prayer. In Jesus' name, Father, we come to you with a desperate cry. Father, I come to you with a desperate cry this morning. For revival to come to Richmond. Let us start here at Real Life even today. Where we get that burden again to pray and to seek you. Relentless prayer, God. Put it in us. A desperation to know you more. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's.